Coming up on today's show. Yeah, we've got a little Tom Brady news. The report that he can go play at home in San Fran. That was always something he's wanted to do. And some Tom Brady news. Maybe this is actually not his official, official last touchdown pass ball. And whatever else we would be talking about if not for Tom Brady. So maybe Baker's future and all the other quarterback moves and possibly our own off seasons. Baker has to get to the Kirk Cousins stage where it's like, hey, you may can do better, but you can do a lot worse. All of that and much, much more coming up on another Oscar award-winning podcast, The Tom and Hawk Football Show. Let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the world-famous Tom and Hawk Football Show presented by the good folks over at Amazon Music. I am Andrew Hawkins, as always, your most humblest of co-hosts, joined by the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Joseph Hayden Thomas, 17-time Pro Bowler. Joe, how you doing today, man? Uh, I'm doing good, man. I'm just enjoying some spring break vacation down here in Florida. Sunny Florida, might I add. But Ah, uh, anytime you go on vacation with the family, it's always a little bit interesting, right? Never goes as plans. And I just got back from the hospital with my number three, my son, Jack. Decided to uh, get into a fight with his sister last night, and his sister slammed the door on him. And the corner of the door caught his foot and made a nice little cut. Mm. No big deal, right? You kind of clean it out, put some band-aids on there, and next day he wakes up. He can't walk because his foot is swollen and infected. So Mm. we had to go take him to the emergency room, get a little bit of higher-level care there, get some oral antibiotics, and uh, take care of it as much as we could, be in that we're going to be in the ocean and on the beach for like five more days, just plunging that foot into a sea of bacteria over and over and over <laughs> again. And so hopefully by the end of the week, we don't have to cut his foot off. Kids suck, don't they? I've been in the emergency room for two days. The joys of family stuff, right? Kids, all my kids have a stomach bug. It's, I think it's gastritis. And if you don't know what gastritis is, Ugh. it's when your kid starts throwing up and Sounds he just horrible. throws up or she throws up every 15 minutes. Mm until there's nothing left in their system mm. and then you put something in it and then they just do it again it lasts about 36 to 48 mm. hours you got to get zolfran mm. but funny story uh my third year in the league it was like we were like in the hunt for the playoff we were playing the colts the friday night before the game my son gets it he's up all night throwing i gotta take him to the hospital i'm in the emergency room all night friday saturday go from the hospital right to uh walk through one saturday Go to the hotel that night. I start throwing up. I throw up throughout the night, and I still got to play on Sunday. Mm. It's the worst, man. And it's like, that's when I pulled my kid out of daycare. Because I'm like, I'm not letting you. You're a monster, and I'm not (laughs) putting you around other monsters Mm. to continue to ruin my career in life. Which This this conversation will tie in to today's topic. Because everyone knows Tom Brady is back. And kids' problems, it sounds like he's had some because he had the shortest retirement Everlift. His retirement might have been shorter than my stint as his teammate in Ooh. New England, Joe. You know what? Let's get right into it. Top line thoughts. Let's just start. Why even yeah. beat around the bush? You're on hotel internet. You know, your kid's foot is broken. Yeah. He's going to have not only residuals from the scar, but also from losing mm-hmm. a fight to his sister. So you That's tell right. me, what are your thoughts now that Tom Brady is back in the game? 
Well, now that you've just one-upped me about uh, how miserable your existence is with your children right now, after I took my son to the ER and I thought, yeah, that'll, that'll definitely impress Hawk. No, then he comes off the top rope and he has to one-up me by saying that his kids have some gastro disease that I can't pronounce, can't say, and he's been in the hospital and they've been throwing up every 15 minutes. So congratulations to that. Thank you. Thank but you. we're still not unretired. And... There is a guy that has become unretired right now. So he must have even worse home situations than we do right now, dealing with his kids, dealing with those jerks. Because after 40 long days and 40 long nights of tremoring in fear every night with his children and with his wife, he said, no mas, I must go back and do football full time because this whole being at home with the family thing is not that all that it's cracked up to be. <laughs> Who wants to, he's 45. He's still young, man. He's got his whole life to be a stay-at-home dad. He's like, you know what? Let's play. Do you think it was really as simple as I retired, I thought I was done, and now I realize I still want to play, so I'm going to play? Do you think that is the honest-to-God truth story? Or if not, give me your conspiracy theory. Yeah, I don't really have a good conspiracy theory on this one. Like I've been pretty correct on all things Tom Brady since we had this podcast. Remember a few years ago before anybody was even talking about what's going to happen with Tom Brady in New England when he was still hunky-dory and I said, "You know what? I I think he's probably going to leave." Like I, I he put his house up for sale and even all the people in New England were like, "Oh, don't read into this. It's it's nothing." And I'm like, "No, he's gone. Like he's going somewhere else. He's tired of dealing with Belichick. He wants some respect. He wants a little bit more control of what goes on within the football team as far as player acquisitions mm -hmm. like we're seeing with a lot of these quarterbacks. Um, and that's exactly what happened when he ended up going down to Tampa Bay, won a Super Bowl, and then ended up playing another year. And it didn't finish the way he thought. But this one really surprised me when he announced his retirement. I was shocked because I thought he wanted to keep playing. I, I really had Tom Brady pegged as the guy who was going to be dragged off the field where he was going to literally give everything he had and he was going to continue playing even when his play declined because being a football player being a quarterback is so much of his identity that he doesn't want to lose it ever and so when he announced his retirement after playing one of the best seasons of his career i was blown away and that's why on this podcast i said he's not going to be retired i thought he was going to come back and play in new england because in my mind He's a very thoughtful person, and you played with him, so maybe you can give some flavor to this, but he's a very mm -hmm. thoughtful person. He doesn't do anything oh, yeah. spur of the moment. Like, everything is detailed, and he, he puts in months and months and probably years of thought where how he wants his legacy to go, how he wants his career to wind, and how he wants his career to, to finish. And in my mind, I thought, hey, he's going to want to go back to New England to finish where it all started to kind of have that happy ending to his career. Now, it still may happen, but... I think this whole idea that he retired for like uh, mm -hmm. one Jesus in the desert stretch of 40 days and came back before there was really anything that happened in the NFL was so shocking to me because it's something that like you would expect from a guy like Brett Favre, whose entire career was sort of off the cuff and uh, spontaneous. But that's totally the opposite of everything that yeah. Brady is. So for him to just retire kind of seemingly out of nowhere. And then, if anything, we kind of thought maybe his big, you know, larger plan was he was going to retire to force his way out, and then he was going to come back and play in New England, or a lot of people thought San Francisco. Yeah, I think it was. I don't. I don't think his plan was ever to retire. That's 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 the camp I'm in. I think it was a chess move. I think it was him trying to force his way. Think about like anybody who is like goat status in a sport, whatever. One of the most common themes is that they're control freaks. Things have to go their way. Especially as like the greater they get, the more in control 
that they feel like they earned their way to. So I feel like with Tom Brady, I don't think he wanted to play for Tampa. I don't think he wanted to retire. I think he wanted to be able to do what he wanted to do. Like there were reports that, you know, he can go play for a place and basically eventually walk into ownership status. Um, There were reports that he can go play at home in San Fran. That was always something he's wanted to do. But he had another year of contract on his Tampa Bay. And it's like, well, if you guys don't do what I want, then I'll walk away. I think they played a game of chicken. And ultimately, he lost because he doesn't really want to stop playing football. And so he's going to have to come back and play for Tampa Bay. Um, but I think that was I think that was the goal. I think in this 40 days he's been off, he signed on to act in a movie, star in a movie. He probably filmed a documentary on his first 40 days of retirement, and it ends with him coming back. And he probably uh, renewed a season two of Man in the Arena for his final last dance or the another version of it. And like, he's a businessman now. He's not just a player. He's a business entity. And he's his own ecosystem. And when you're an ecosystem, these are the things that has to happen. So it was very weird from the beginning, to your point. Like, he didn't even break his own retirement news. And when he did, nobody cared. He did it on his podcast. I didn't listen to it. I know you probably didn't, right? Like, because nobody really fully believed that he was done. No one believed that the career was over. So along with that, Joe, there's two things I'm wondering. Number one, is this the boy who cried wolf? His next time announcing his retirement, are we going to be like, we don't care? That's number one. Number two, there was a guy who paid over half a million dollars for Tom Brady's last touchdown ball the night before Tom Brady announced that he's coming back. A, how do you feel if you're that guy? B, are you seeking legal counsel? Are you just chalking it up to the game? And C, does Tom Brady need to make it right with him? I feel like I'm going to go in reverse order and say Tom Brady should make it right with him. Like they should just null and void that transaction and say, all right, we'll we'll take the football back. Um, Obviously, if you want to keep it and you're still happy with it, that's great. Maybe it's part of his story. And obviously what has happened here at the end of Brady's career with his retirement and his unretirement and then however it goes from this point forth is going to be a big part of his story. So maybe that that uh, football that the guy bought is enough of a big deal and people talk about it enough where it kind of becomes valuable on its own as like the almost last touchdown (laughs) ball from Brady. And so maybe the guy wants to keep it, but I do think for, for Brady to retire the way he did, which was weird. It was like, he didn't think about it at all or, or, and maybe to your point, maybe he did think about it and it was just a leverage play, but it just seemed so haphazard and quick. And it was totally overshadowed by other things that were happening in the NFL at that time. If you guys remember back, um, I believe that's when some of these lawsuits came out against the NFL um, and Brian Flores, uh, the Brian Flores situation was really taking uh, shape in the media. And so people were like, Oh yeah, by the way, the greatest quarterback of all time retired uh, and in other news. Uh, and so <laughs> it was just such an odd retirement that I, I, I feel like this football could become part of that fun end of his career story, even though it is already a little bit messy and there's a lot of loose ends. And as the greatest of all time, you really wish you could have a clean break mm-hmm. and have like a really nice send off and a nice finish to your career, whether that be after winning the Super Bowl or after like, okay, you know, it's over. You think about it for a while. Then you have a great retirement opportunity to like have a press conference and you can actually thank New England for what happened there when you won a few Super Bowls and had a pretty decent career. And then you can thank everybody in Tampa Bay. Um, But it's just such a, a weird situation. I think everyone's brains are just 
ping-ponging back and forth with what they're hearing for Brady. But as far as legal counsel for this guy that had the ball, I don't think he can really do anything because in sports, there's so many crazy things that happen, and that's why people are so obsessed with sports, and that's why it's such a great deviation from your normal life and a great distraction is because these type of things happen a lot, especially when you're talking about great quarterbacks. Obviously, the other one who's done the unretirement dance a bunch of times was Brett Favre. Um, and you know, like I mentioned earlier, I'm surprised that Brady has done this because he seems so much more calculated. Um, but this is part of sports. And when you buy sports memorabilia, you have that understanding that, Hey, maybe this is actually not his official, official last touchdown pass ball. A good way for him to get his money back or his money's worth is to sell his movie rights and to create a movie a la, you know, uncut gems of this story about how he, you know, wrangled up his last dollars and he borrowed money from all these people because this was a mm. surefire investment. I have an in to get Tom mm. Brady's last touchdown pass, and this is going to get us over the hump, and then he comes yeah. back. So it's like maybe mm-hmm. there's something there. To the Tom Brady retirement, like, do you feel like he didn't feel like he got enough of a party thrown for him. Attention. Like, you know, like when someone has a surprise party and you walk in and no one's ready and they go, surprise. And it's like a hat. It's like, no, no, I'm going to walk out and I'm going to come back in and I <laughs> need like, oh, everybody again. ready. Yeah, okay, right. let's do this again. Pretend that didn't get, the, get the cameras ready. Yes. You think that has a little something yes. to do with it? Dude, I totally feel it. Okay. That makes sense. I feel like it definitely has something to do with it. Like we mentioned, there was so much going on in the NFL that we didn't properly like glorify the greatness of Brady in his career. <laughs> did for a guy who clearly, well, at least I thought, had thought a lot about you know how he wants his career to end and how he wants it to look, he certainly didn't expect to be overshadowed by all the other things that were happening in the NFL at that moment, including like an amazing playoff race that we saw the closest games in NFL history uh, as you got closer to the Super Bowl. And then we saw another great Super Bowl. So um, the fact that Brady was retired was totally overshadowed and he didn't get that great happy birthday surprise party that uh, maybe some people would really, really like. And I think maybe he's thinking, I I can come back for one more year. Giselle's on board for me to get my proper send off. Everybody's willing to kick me out of the house again for one more season. They were probably like, dude, get out. This sucks. Like we need to ease our way into this. They were probably equally as on board with him heading back to the NFL as he was like, like, yo, we all got to really just pump our brakes here a little bit. Well, he went to Costa Rica on vacation. Uh-huh. He went to New York and then he went to England. And I'm not sure who in the family was there, but I think Giselle was at least there. And I think some of his kids were with him. Um, and I'm sure that was probably more family time than he spent at home with <laughs> his kids than he has in the last 20 years. And so like, that's kind of a heavy dose from going to like, hey, I get to see daddy on TV once a week to like, oh my gosh, he's in my house in my way constantly and screwing up my normal routine. And I think everybody probably realized like, you know what, the idea of dad being home and retired (laughs) sounds good, but the actual reality is not exactly matching what the romantic idea was. So dad, maybe you should go play another couple seasons somewhere else. And then, you know, maybe ease back into it where maybe you can go from playing and go right into maybe doing some media or maybe some coaching where you're home a little (laughs) bit more but still not like always getting in our way and disrupting our normal daily beautiful routine that they certainly have put together um i have so many sketch ideas man could you imagine how shitty of a uh, of a game of catch it must be for his son with tom (laughs) and he's like get your damn depth what are you doing the guy's clearly (laughs) sitting at 15 yards you sit down you turn opposite shoulder 
Golly, kid. Yeah, do you wonder, like, <laughs> do you think he's as hard on his kids as he is on himself? Because he was like the ultimate perfectionist. Yes. And that was part of what made him great. And so you think he like shows up at his daughter's like dance recital and is like filming it and, <laughs> and on the way home instead of being like, oh, honey, that was so great. That was so wonderful to and see. He was like breaking film. it down like, hey, hey, the, this turn Oof. that you did over here, you know, it was supposed to be 380 degrees and you only went 360. So I, I think we're going to yeah. need to go and get a few reps back home. It all starts with your footwork, babe. Yeah, it's all, it all starts with the foot on the way up. You know, it's all about <laughs> elasticity. You know, we need to get you off those strawberries. They're really holding you back there, daughter. Have you been eating your avocado toast? I can tell you haven't. I can tell you haven't. Look at you. You're, just, you're sluggish. <laughs> I could tell. I could tell. You had no power out there when you were swinging those hips. Oh, man. No avocado toast. I think it's probably the opposite, though. He probably lets his kids do whatever because, I mean, that's how I am. I'm very hard on myself, and my kids, oh, yeah. they just they just run it. They just do whatever they want. I could care less. So I would imagine Tom Brady's probably something like that. All right, so Tom is back. I, I I would totally agree. He's back. We never really thought he was going to leave, I'll be honest with you. It's funny that receivers get the whole diva tag when you guys got, like, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Just all – think about all the storylines they've owned for the last four months, only for the final result to be exactly what it was before the storyline started. And Aaron's go back even further. Tom's go back further. But even Tom, he announced his retirement, I think, the morning after – Roethlisberger announced his retirement, so he completely stepped on those toes. <laughs> then Brian Flores and Aaron Rodgers basically dominated the news cycles after that. Here's my theory, right? Quarterbacks, even though they're making twice the salary everybody else is in the NFL, they're still undervalued for what they do for a franchise as far as not just wins and losses, but like preserving jobs of owners and or, or of coaches and GMs and making money for ownership. Like mm -hmm. a quarterback is worth so much more than the salary that they're paying him. And I think we're starting to realize how vastly underpaid they are. But with the salary cap, you can't really pay them much more. Otherwise, you don't have any team left. And really... If you have an Aaron Rodgers on your team or a Tom Brady, like no matter what the salary cap is, they're worth more than that because of the number of seats, or number of butts they put in the seats, the number of revenue the dollars that they bring in for the organization, the amount of merchandise that gets sold, the amount of prestige that they just bring to a brand. And so in order to properly compensate those guys, sometimes that compensation, I think, has to go outside of just what you're paying them from a dollars and cents standpoint. And it goes to, hey, they want to feel like they have influence over the roster, right? You got to have them get, give them a say in what happens mm -hmm. with the front office, like who they bring in players, who they bring in coaches wise. Like, and I think these quarterbacks are starting to realize that and they're starting to kind of put the, those cards down on the table and say, Hey, I want more say. And that's what we saw with Aaron Rodgers. That's what we saw with Tom Brady. That's what we saw with Russell Wilson. The only guy who actually has changed teams yeah. this off season. I really want to hear your take on Russell Wilson heading to Denver and if this changes the fortunes of the Denver Broncos. We know this completely cripples the Seattle Seahawks. Like their ability to win right now is like nothing. And they're totally in a rebuild process, which makes me wonder how long Pete Carroll is going to want to stay around for a three, four year rebuild. I mean, he's already, I think, the oldest coach in the NFL. Does he want to stick around three, four more years to try to rebuild it with a new quarterback and a bunch of, um, you know, new players? They got rid of Bobby Wagner. Um, so I think it's safe to say Seattle is not going to be a player for a while. But where does this put Denver in the ultra competitive AFC right now? 
Man, I like Denver a lot, dude. They're one of those teams that, honestly, all they were missing was a quarterback. And there's not a whole bunch of those in the league. They have a great run game. Their defense somehow traded Von Miller away and got better. And mm. now there's reports that Von is talking about going back to Denver, right? Mm. A little healthier after, especially a Super Bowl. And so if they can pull that off and make just a couple of moves, um, I like them, man. It's a very, very competitive conference, specifically in that, division i do think russ puts him over the top i mean I, i've heard people waver on where russ sits as far as elite quarterbacks go i still think he's elite i think what you get with russ you're not going to find with a bunch of other quarterbacks and if you give him all those weapons and kind of a new change of scenery i do think the change of scenery is going to be good for him and i, I think denver is going to be very very good i i, I won't say they win the division yet because i want to see some of the moves they make um but they're absolutely like as in contention as any other team in the AFC to come out of the AFC. You can't look at any other team and say, oh, this AFC team is light years above the Denver Broncos now, because I don't think that's the case. So my question is, we look at all the great young quarterbacks in the AFC and what it takes to get your team to the Super Bowl in the AFC. Obviously, we know the Rams, the NFC, they won the Super Bowl last year, but it seems like there's a big arms race going on right now in the AFC because of the quality of young quarterbacks. Yeah. A guy that has been talked about in Cleveland a lot in the last couple of weeks is Deshaun Watson, right? Mm. Um, there's going to be a bidding war. It's currently going on for Deshaun Watson services, right? Uh, Carolina is one of, the, one of the teams that uh, is out there that has talked about putting in a great offer for Deshaun Watson to be able to bring him to Carolina. Cleveland has been said to been kicking the tires, trying to figure out what the legal situation is going to be for Deshaun Watson, which got a little bit more clear over the last week because Deshaun Watson was facing a grand jury, which was looking yep. into maybe bring in some criminal charges they right. declined to do that so now all he has is some some civil potential uh, issues and then an nfl potential suspension but things are getting more clear on that side and it seems like the ability of the texans to trade him for top dollar is is kind of coming down the pipe pretty quickly and the browns have talked about maybe being players in the deshaun watson sweepstakes do you think the browns should make a run at him <sighs> what do you think it's going to take to get a deshaun watson to get traded from the texans and is this the type of move that a team like the browns have to make to be competitive in the afc where you're looking around and there's all these unbelievably stacked teams with these great young quarterbacks we're going to talk just football here because there's so many nuances to this like even at this point from an ability standpoint deshaun watson one of the best quarterbacks in the league has been for a while He's made sugar out of shit with his ability. He, We know he has the ability to do that. The Browns, one of the most talented rosters, most depth, star power, almost at every position across the board. Then they go and get Amari Cooper. It does feel like they're trying to put together an enticing package for a Deshaun Watson who can pretty much pick his destination because he has a no trade clause. And to get him to come to Cleveland, you're basically going to have to show him a very clear path to them actually being in contention for a Super Bowl. Um, and so for, from an ability standpoint, yes, there's not many quarterbacks that will upgrade your quarterback position like Deshaun Watson will, if he's playing at the level we've seen, um, before the suspension and the accusations came down against him. And that's again, not a knock on Baker Mayfield. It's just a reality, right? 
There's a lot of quarterbacks who are starting quarterbacks, solidified starting quarterback faces of their franchise that Deshaun Watson will be an upgrade just because he is very, very freaking good. And if you look at all the pieces in Cleveland, if he was just deciding based off of his options and personnel on the team, Cleveland will be the answer. We know there's more factors that are involved for that. It does take a specific kind of player to want to go play in the North, in the Midwest, when you've been down South, you're from Georgia, you played in South Carolina, you went to Houston, right? Like you're just from a different region. It's like different kind of mindsets that have to fit within those demographic areas. And so, yeah, I think it'll be larger conversations around Cleveland, but as it pertains to just squad and roster, Cleveland is by far his best option, in my opinion. Do you think that the talent that Cleveland has and the the roster that they've put together would be the most important factor and would be enough to convince a guy like Deshaun Watson to allow the trade to go through. Cause like you mm -hmm. mentioned, he's got the no trade clause. So he's got the Trump card. If Carolina puts together a great package, but he doesn't want to go there, it's a done mm -hmm. deal. It's not going to happen. If Cleveland puts together a great package, Houston likes it. Deshaun Watson still has to say yes. Do you think the roster they put together would help sort of, put a clear vision in his mind that I can win a lot of Super Bowls here. I'm going to be very happy, even though maybe it is outside of my normal comfort zone being a guy from the South that's played mm -hmm. in warm weather climates his entire career. I'm okay to go up and embrace being a bad weather quarterback uh, perceivably for the next 10 or 15 years of my career. If Cleveland is actually in the sweepstakes, it would be their, their probably biggest nugget for him. Think about it this way. Matt Stafford goes to the Rams, wins the Super Bowl. We're not all of a sudden saying Matt Stafford is the best quarterback in the league and he's elite. Like some people say, yeah, he's good. This is great. This is good for him in his career. But no one is being like, yo, Matt Stafford was the key to the Rams getting to the top of the mountain. They have a great roster, right? Um, if he did that same thing for, let's say, the Raiders, he would own a lot more of that credit. So for Deshaun Watson, if he goes wins the Super Bowl for New Orleans, it'll be great if he becomes a Super Bowl winning quarterback. He's going to have to do it a couple of times because of what he's following and, and Drew Brees there. If he goes and wins a Super Bowl for Cleveland, he don't got to win two. Mm. He don't got to win anything more than one Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. If he takes him to a Super Bowl, it'll be almost like him winning the Super Bowl. And I think from a legacy standpoint of what you want your resume to say on the field, that is something that people will latch on to and it will put you in a different, like a Super Bowl in Cleveland is not equal to a Super Bowl anywhere else. A Super Bowl in Cleveland is almost like winning three Super Bowls just based on the history of where we got to. So I think those things are things he should take into account. Absolutely. And that's a great point because one thing you're seeing from the great quarterbacks in our game right now is they're thinking a lot more about legacy. And, you know, yep. when it's all said and done, how does my story fit into the story of the NFL? And yeah. whoever that quarterback is that leads the Browns to their first Super Bowl is going to have a legacy and going to be remembered among some of the great quarterbacks of all time because they were able to do for one of the most historic and proud franchises in the NFL what nobody else was able to do before them. So for a guy like Deshaun Watson, who clearly thinks big picture, right? He's clearly a guy that thinks about legacy and he thinks about how he's going to be remembered. And he's going to think about mm -hmm. not only what happens on the field, but off the field, he thinks of himself as a brand and a business to be the guy that could take the Browns to the Super Bowl. I would think would play a lot better in his mind than going to a New Orleans because you got to do a lot of good things and win a few Super Bowls to be remembered bigger than Drew Brees, especially because the guy was just there. The seat is still hot. Mm -hmm. So I think when 
you're looking at Deshaun Watson just from a legacy and an ability to sort of elevate who you are as a brand situation. I think Carolina could potentially be that situation because they haven't won a Super Bowl yet, and he could be that guy. But there was a guy there that took him to a Super Bowl that was pretty good. That's remembered pretty fondly by the name of Cam Newton, who yeah. actually played there last year, that he may say, you know what, I'm not sure that that's the best situation for me, one, because the roster's not as good as it is in Cleveland. But two, you know, I'm already – not that I'm going to be in Cam's shadow, but I'm going to be compared to him. Yeah. Whereas you come right into Cleveland – Day one, you're not being compared to anybody. They're no, not comparing man. him to Bernie Kosar or any of the other quarterbacks that have been there in the Super Bowl era. Like, he's his own man, and he's got that opportunity to elevate himself and how he's remembered forever and ever by taking the Browns and going and winning a Super Bowl. So I think that clearly will play in his mind. But I'm, I'm just curious, have you studied what you think it's going to take to get Deshaun Watson in a trade? In, in any of these different situations? I, I haven't studied it per se, but I have seen what the reports are. Three first rounders, I believe. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a lot of capital. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a lot of capital. And a few players, possibly. A few players that are attached to that. So I was thinking about this the other day when or you started hearing the reports that the Browns were potentially interested in making a move for Watson. They were saying three first rounders. Okay, that's pretty ubiquitous across the yep. board like okay we know what that means but then they were saying players and okay obviously baker you don't want to have baker there as like the backup that doesn't work and houston would want a quarterback and baker by all accounts like if he gets healthy he could still be a really good starting quarterback in the nfl uh and so that could be a big chip for the texans first overall pick yeah the texans they need a quarterback right so baker could be their quarterback of the future so three first rounders baker and then I was thinking, you know, what else? Obviously, the Browns don't want to give up, like, some of their marquee guys at marquee positions because you've put together this really excellent roster and you don't want to just throw them away uh, because you're trying to get a quarterback. Then you're kind of, you know, uh, robbing Peter to pay Paul a little bit. But then I thought, okay, what's another position that would really make sense and would really provide a lot of value for the Texans but wouldn't hurt the Browns as much if we lost him? And that would be Kareem Hunt. Great running back. He can catch the football. He can run the ball. He can be your number one guy. He's one of the best running backs in the NFL. He was a former rushing champ. Proved last season he could still do it. You have Nick Chubb, and you have Dearness Johnson, and you've got Demetric Felton already on the roster. So you already have another couple options at running back if Chubb gets hurt or if you need to spell him for a little bit. And I think that gives you a huge leverage chip when you are talking with the Texans about making your offer look better than, say, New Orleans or Carolina. If we're just talking about players and making a trade happen. Right, right. And it did, I mean, that's what that's the benefits of having a deep roster. You have a lot more nuggets to to play with. So my question, all right, one word answer. Who does Deshaun Watson play for next year? Oh man. I, I wasn't prepared for this. <laughs> because it's easy, you know, to talk about uh finding a new girlfriend. You know, when you got the girlfriend, and you're like, yeah, yeah, she's cool. But you want to <laughs> talk about like the other girls, but then when it's time to actually dump her and like say that you're definitely committed to this new girl like that might be a little bit tougher and uh so i'm gonna be a total chicken here i'm gonna be a chicken and i'm gonna say my analytical decision i i think that deshaun watson plays for the saints next season saints i'm gonna say he's gonna end up the quarterback of the carolina panthers that's my prediction we will see how this week goes that could change yeah, i think you're right actually you just convinced me <laughs> With my one word answer, I convinced you. Yeah, you convinced me. Yeah, I, I wanted to say them, but then I, I just I got cold feet. I got so nervous, Cock. I got nervous. Uh, <laughs> Carolina has a really good defense. They've got CMC. Mm -hmm. They've got some nice weapons. And the other thing is, 
this coaching staff, Matt Rule, um, he's under a lot of pressure right now, right? They went Sam Darnold. They went, you know, crazy defense in the draft a couple years ago, and they don't have a lot to show from it. He was a little bit on the hot seat at the end of the season, so they know that they got to win this year or they're going to get fired. So when you have a dog that's injured and you put him in a corner, like – they're going to lash out. They're going to bite. They're going to throw everything they possibly can at the Houston Texans to get Deshaun Watson because that's their job security. So it might be four first-round picks. It might be multiple picks into the future, and they've got a young owner, yeah. or not a young owner, but a newer owner. And I think this is where the advantage is for Houston because that owner, he doesn't understand how GMs and coaches are much more willing to give up future draft picks because, hey, if we're here, great. That means I still got a job. If not, it's somebody else's problem. Yep. And he doesn't understand that. And so when that GM and head coach go into the owner's office and try to convince them that this is a good trade, they are talking with an incredible amount of bias. Yep. And a lot of times this owner can get sold on winning now because of his expectations were that they were already going to be winning and how much it sucks to lose in the NFL, especially when you pay a couple billion dollars for a franchise and you have to sit around and watch them lose. You don't want to do that anymore. No. So they're going to sell him on the fact that, hey, whatever it takes, this guy's a winner. We're going to win. Like, boom, he's willing to do that without looking long-term, which is oftentimes newer owners. They forget about the long-term. They're so focused on winning now that they don't even realize the damage that they could be doing long-term by some of the moves they make. Other things that have transpired over the offseason. Calvin Ridley gets a year suspension for placing a $1,500 bet on his own team. Do you think that uh, penalty was excessive? Do you think it was just right? Or do you think it was too lenient? And why? Well, from the NFL standpoint, I'm going to say it was a good penalty. It was just right because they need to be very, very serious and heavy handed about gambling. Obviously, the perception that players are gambling on games is really, really bad. And we're entering this new era of unfettered sports gambling. And it, it reminds me a little bit of the Brittany Griner situation right now. She's been detained in Russia and... Obviously, the things between Russia and the United States are not so great right now. And so they're making an example out of her by holding her for however long for having uh, a vape pen when she was coming back in, into Russia from the U.S. Mm -hmm. With Calvin Ridley, they're making an example out of him to tell all the players, hey, we know that sports gambling is widespread. We're promoting it. This is a big part of the revenue boost that the NFL is seeing, but it's still not going to be tolerated. So they absolutely have to throw the book at him right now to prove to those other players that we're not messing around with the sports gambling. We know Calvin Ridley is one of the great young stars in this league. We don't care who you are. If you bet on football while you're a football player, it's a zero-tolerance policy, and we're going to hammer you. So that's exactly why things went the way they did. Now, it's easy to see that it's it's kind of um, bullshit by the, by the league because on one hand, they're talking about all this gambling and they're encouraging it and they're promoting it. I mean, when we go on air and we're talking about the point spreads, we're talking about prop bets, <laughs> like all these things, and then we're saying, oh, by the way, players, you can't gamble on football at all. So it is a little bit of like walking that fine line, but that's what you're going to have to do in the era of uh, sports gambling, which we're walking into right now. Yeah. And it's funny because with Calvin, it's like, it's either he has an extreme problem where he can't even control himself and was like, I have to place this $1,500 bet 
or he's never done it. And he's like, yeah, what's the big deal? I'll just give it a shot and see what happens, right? There's really like yeah. not a real in-between. I think it was heavy-handed for what the offense mm -hmm. was for the same reasons you just outlined. But I do think it was a precursor to maybe some things to come. As we talked about, the Miami Dolphins head or owner is accused mm -hmm. of yep. purposely losing games. And if you look at the NFL statement, they said any player, coach, owner in there. And so if they're going to go that heavy handed on a $1,500 bet for you betting your team to win for a player, if it comes out that they have some corroborated evidence that the owner purposely lost games, you can imagine what that penalty is going to be for him, which I think end up with him losing the team. Yeah, so obviously that's on the back burner right now. And the fact that this story and this punishment mm -hmm. came out first was was clearly with the Miami Dolphins situations in the back of Roger Goodell's mind, knowing that yep. everybody's going to look at the standard he sets with Calvin Ridley and they're going to point to the fact that everyone always says, oh, owners are held to a higher standard. Coaches, management held to a higher standard. So... They're either mm -hmm. going to have to find a way to sweep it under the rug and say, no, that never happened. Or if they find that Stephen Ross did, in fact, offer money to Brian Flores to lose games, they're going to have to come down to with a significant penalty that probably includes forcing him to sell the team. One other storyline that I want to talk about very quickly, um, because he's kind of been a recurring storyline here on the Tomahawk show slash Tomahawk football show. Kirk Cousins gets some more guaranteed money. Man. Can we just give a round of applause to Kirk Cousins and his business? Come on, give it up. Amen. Over $230 million of fully guaranteed money since 2016. There's a lot of people that do the business of football. None do it better than Mr. Cousins. Everybody's cousin, Kirk. Um, Kid cousin. Good for him, man. It feels like one of those documentaries of like fire a Firefest doc where if someone just bullshits their way all the way through mm -hmm. except he just keeps going and he's a good he's a solid quarterback he's just not 230 million guaranteed over the course of six years good but good for him man that's that's a way to play the game i was thinking about this the other day and one of my neighbors is a huge minnesota vikings fan right and he's like so sick of kirk cousins right because the story on kirk cousins is like you said he's a good quarterback if mm -hmm. you got him on fantasy he's probably gonna get a lot of points for you but when it comes time for him to make the tough throw, to make the daring pass like we saw Matthew Stafford make in the Super Bowl to Cooper Cup where he's not looking and he's threading it between two defenders and he's taking that risk yeah. to become great in great moments. Kirk Cousins is just too risk averse as a quarterback, as a human being, to make that decision and to let that ball rip into that situation. And he's always going to check it down. That's his problem. Even we heard his former coach talk about he wanted him to take more chances, take more risks, because he had it in him as a quarterback. He can make those throws. He can make those decisions. But unless it looks perfect, unless the guy's wide open in those big moments, he's afraid that he's going to throw the interception so he never throws the pass. But when he's constantly getting rewarded with chocolate and marshmallows every time he does the things that he does on the field and he takes the chances off the field and he gets more guaranteed money, like 
you're just reinforcing the decision for him to be more risk averse. And so you're going to get just more and more of the same old Kirk Cousins, which is not exactly what the Minnesota Vikings want. But he keeps I, hats off to his his uh, agent because he keeps putting the team in a situation where they have no better options. And this is what we talked about, the value of a quarterback. You get fired if you don't have a quarterback. Hey, sometimes you get fired even when you do have a quarterback. But it, you can't win in the NFL unless you have a great quarterback. And He's just good enough where he's keeping coaches' jobs for a long time. And so they know that they can't get rid of him because you nope. can't just go to Tiffany's hey. and buy another quarterback. That's not how it works. Like you have a quarterback that's good enough to keep your job. You got to keep him around. And Kirk Cousins has used that to advantage to a couple hundred million dollars guaranteed. Joe, next up and final for this, we're going to play a little game. And uh, it's pretty simple. We're going to each read an incomplete headline that could be written this offseason. The other guy is going to fill in the blank part with a word or two to make it make sense. Number one, the Jaguars shock the football world and blank with their number one overall pick in the draft. Finish the sentence. The correct answer is trade with their number one overall pick. When you have the number one overall pick, it almost always goes to quarterback. The Jaguars already have a quarterback. And I know everyone's saying, well, this is not a great quarterback draft. But I believe the Jaguars, because they're the worst team in the NFL, they're typically going to want to be able to have more good players. So if you can trade back, you can find somebody that wants that number one overall pick. They'll be able to add more first round talent to their roster, which is exactly what they need. They don't need one player. They need multiple players. Mr. Hawkins, sources tell me that the Colts rumored to be interested in a trade for fill in the blank. Matt Ryan. Ooh, That's an easy one. Mm. Matt Ryan of the Atlanta Falcons. He's run his course in Atlanta. He's a great quarterback, Mm. has done really well in the, the Matt Stafford area of his career. And it's time to go somewhere where they have a really good roster, right? The Colts get rid of Carson Wentz, who played decent. He didn't, you know, knock the socks off. He was very in the Kirk Cousins mode. Um, But they have such a talented roster. They're not looking to draft a guy and rebuild. They're looking for an upgrade. That upgrade is Matt Ryan. You give him the roster they have with that O-line, with that run game, with that defense, and he plays indoors. You know, you, you, you you got your chance. You got your shot at taking advantage. Boom. All right. Next one, Joe. I'm not even going to wait for your response because I know it was perfect. Um, Sean McVay reportedly considers blank and would-be career-changing move. Yeah, this is one that we've talked about a lot. There's a lot of spaces in media and color commentary on TV, you know, Amazon, Fox, ESPN, a lot of movement going on there. And everyone thought, oh, maybe Sean McVay would want to take one of those jobs, make more money, work less. But The answer is Sean McVay reportedly will consider going to be a Chippendales dancer in a would-be career-changing move. The man is young. He's handsome. People know who he is. He's putting a lot of asses in seats in Vegas if he's dancing around in those skimpy outfits. Absolutely. You want to see a hot head coach? You come to Chippendales, baby. Bowtie optional. (laughs) All right. Next up, Joe, you reading. Russell Wilson promises fans in Denver he will blank. Oh, okay. So we're going to switch it up here because, you know, I feel like when you set the bar low, Mm. it's a little harder to disappoint people. Mm. So Russell Wilson promises fans in Denver 
he will not win a Super Bowl, right? <laughs> that way, it's just he could just focus conference. on everything outside of the field. <laughs> yes, it's a tough one. It'll be yeah. it'll be tough at the beginning, but yeah. overall, it's the right move here. So he comes into the press conference and says, guys, I know you think that I came here to uh, win some championships, but I'm more interested in building my brand off the field. I thought this would be a great place. It's got a nice airport. Yep. I can get to a lot of major cities from here. I can go East Coast and go West Coast because that's where I'm going to be during mm -hmm. the week instead of that practice. Yeah. Hey, guys, I've already won my Super Bowl. I'm good. Um, I'm trying to do all the things that I haven't done. <laughs> Me and my wife I'm are good. just doing our thing. And so we're not going to win a Super Bowl, but damn it, we're going to be in the news. Congrats. All right. Last one, Joe. This is for you. A lot riding on this for you. The Browns have informed Baker Mayfield that they will blank. The Browns have informed Baker Mayfield that they will do everything in their power to keep him as their quarterback unless they can upgrade <laughs> over him at quarterback. Yeah, they feel like they've notified him that. That's exactly what they've been saying all offseason. Yeah, they've been doing that. Like, oh, he's he's our They're guy. Like, you know, we'd love unless to have we get back, another guy. But if we could find somebody a little bit better, I always wonder. Yeah, it's like it's like you know going into the marriage and saying, "Honey, I promise to be with you forever." <laughs> unless I can find somebody that's younger and better looking, and you know fits my personality a little bit better, then I reserve the right to go out and you know get a divorce and go marry her. Absolutely, Baker has to get to the Kirk cousin stage where it's like, hey. You may can do better, but you can do a lot worse. And yes. that's going to keep him in the fight, just like a lot of marriages. <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for today's episode of the Tom and Hawk Football Show. We'll be back next week with two all-new episodes, our Monday minicast, and then a special Thursday episode. So follow us on Amazon Music or wherever your podcasts come to make sure you don't miss a thing. Joe. Closing thoughts. Yeah, I'm wondering um, when you and I are allowed to unretire so we can get away from our kids with gastro problems and uh, <laughs> infections in their feet so we don't have to worry about the day-to-day -day hassle of being a dad, just like Tom Brady. So maybe that's what we'll do next week. We'll announce our unretirement. Yeah, and then when we find out there's zero market for either of us, we'll be back here <laughs> for more episodes of the Tom and Hawk Football Show. Joe, my brother, great to see you. Great to talk to you. Take us out. Joe Hawk yourself. <laughs>